Hey everyone, welcome to the Opinionated Podcast. It's me again, your host AJ, with Brandon and Jay. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, doing good. Doing great, doing excellent. All right. Well, we we certainly hope uh, with today's show could help bring a needed distraction from uh, everything else going on. Our thoughts and prayers with everybody out there, um, you know, with with those uh, patrolling the streets, the law enforcement, with those protesting um, about the injustices. Uh, We're praying for everyone and we hope this could be a needed distraction for all of us who are having a real hard time with this last week. So on today's podcast, we're going to go through our top five running backs, our winners from the NFC North, where we think uh, those standings will be at the end of the 2020 season, as well as uh, rookie quarterbacks, who's in the best position to win now, who's in the best position for the future, and who overall do we think is going to have the better career. So uh, let's get started, gentlemen. So let's hear. Let's start off with you, Brandon. First, who are your top five running backs? Uh, my top five running backs are going to be um, Josh Jacobs, number one, and I'll put McCaffrey number two, Barkley number three. I'll put uh, who else? Dalvin Cook number four, and I'll have. Who else is out there? Oh man. I'm oh, man. Come well, on. Well, I didn't have this. Um... <laughs> no, no Derrick Henry, no Nick Chubb. Well, don't I can go, I can go uh, Nick, Nick Chubb. Or no, Derrick Henry, number five. Before, before we get to this. Uh... I'm over here drinking this uh, Bottle Logic Double Actuator, that 8.5 ABV. It's pretty good. You know, it's a little bitter than I thought a double would be. Bottle Logic. Yes, sir. Anybody tried it? I love Bottle Logic. I haven't tried that one, though. I know you do. You got the merch. You rock with the merch and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pretty good. But, oh, man, that's pretty. So, I know much of this list, the NFL is, what have you done for me lately? Um, it's not, it's not right, nor is it very smart to go off of how good somebody is based on what they did three to four years ago. Granted, uh, those years combined together when they prove in the, when they, uh, do post-production through years, it shows us the type of player they are. Um, when they continue to produce, then we know they're one of the better players they're one of the elite players. With that being said, these lists often go by what they did last year or even two years ago, depending on how well they played those previous two years. So, Brandon, you have a rookie or a second-year player as your number one running back in the league. I mean, explain that. Listen, and this is my case on Josh Jacobs over here. He only played 13 games, right? So his rookie season was cut short, just to a little nagging of a shoulder injury that they had just decided to rest him on. But he had 4.75 yards per carry. It's almost a five healthy five yards per carry. You know how hard it is to get five yards per carry in the NFL? That's Jamal Charles. Um, remind remind no. me, what is considered a successful run average? Three yards. There it is, three yards. Okay, so you're, you're five yards a carry. Okay, go ahead and continue. 
Yeah, if I mean you're doing 4.75 yards per carry, if you ran the ball every single time, you would get first down after first down after first down. That just shows how production how productive he is. Uh, he was rated the number one running back in PFF through nine weeks of the season last year, um, only behind Nick Chubb uh, throughout the rest of the season for total PFF. Um, that's what I saw from my uh, research. And then also he's playing defenses like Denver, LA, Indy, Chicago, and Minnesota. Um, Indy, Chicago, and Minnesota were um, all top 10 rushing defenses. Denver, LA, top 15. Indy, though? Yes, Indy. I mean, I I would make the case for Chicago. Chicago played a lot of defense last year. They yeah. played a ton of downs. So, with, I mean, they weren't as fresh as they were. They weren't as good as they were the previous year. But they All ran into them in the first four weeks of the season. Okay. All right. So, uh, you're talking about two, four, five, six, seven games, all playing top 15 defenses. Mm-hmm. The only thing he has to work on is just a little bit of the receiving game. That's the only knock on him. But – 13 games, he had seven touchdowns. And I don't doubt that if he would have played all 16 games healthy behind a okay Raiders offensive line, that he probably would have averaged in the double digits for touchdowns. I mean, don't you think playing those additional games, his average would have went down some? I mean, who was he playing right. in those games? Who, Who's who to say that, though? Who's to say that? That they lost. I mean, that he did not play against. Uh, I think it was Tennessee. I saw that he was inactive. And I'm not sure about the other games. Right. Yeah, I think I think the best thing for for Jacobs is the fact that he was running behind a subpar offensive line. I think PFF had them top top uh, 15. I think they were actually number 15. So, you know, that's a pretty average offensive line and he was still making the magic happen. I think that's that bodes well for him. Okay. All right. And then Derrick Henry, number five. Huh? I don't hear no Zeke in there. I don't hear. Did you say Chubb, too? I did say Chubb. Okay, but dang, no Zeke, huh? No love for Zeke. He ain't eating. He ain't eating in your rankings. No, he. I don't have no love for Zeke. I just think that uh, behind that monster of an offensive line, and they give him the ball twenty four seven. It's easy to think that somebody can just run through. You know, um, you could drive a Mack truck through some of those holes that, especially Tyron Smith is pulling for him and and blow bulldozering over like four or five people during the time um, don't get me wrong he is very very talented but i just think if he was in a couple other situations i don't think it would be nearly as as he wouldn't be nearly as what he what he is now see that's where i disagree now granted he has an all-star offensive line which hasn't been really all-star these past couple seasons um and pass blocking their, their left tackle has been injured. Travis Frederick, uh, their center, missed all of last year and also retired. And, you know, um, when he was out for that suspension, for that BS suspension he had, it's not like his backup was hitting 150-yard-plus game. Somebody can fact-check me, please, on that. But um, Oh, but he was making a name for himself. You talking about Pollard? Yeah. No, he was, Pollard yeah, no, he was, he's a beast, man. Pollard, Pollard was killing it. He was Pollard making a name for himself, and Zeke's Pollard. numbers were going down. Pollard was a rookie last year, and Zeke was not suspended last year. I'm talking about when he got suspended, when his girlfriend um, was throwing all that stuff out of him, and he was spending his time in Mexico, which was the year prior. So not the 2019 season, but the 2018 season. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd have to check, but you can't really throw a subpar backup in there and say, hey, you know, I, I don't know exactly who the backup was, but I think what you see with Tony Pollard is he's serviceable. And when Zeke mm-hmm. did not have the ball, Tony Pollard was still killing it. So um, it, it definitely seems to to say that he fell into a good situation, not to, not to take anything away from Ezekiel Elliott. He's in my top five for sure. But oh, yeah. uh, to Brandon, point, I think he's he is uh, in a great situation. I guess the point I'm trying to make is you still need a capable runner sure. behind a great offensive line. Definitely. Um, you know, like I think we can all think of that picture with uh, with Trent Richardson when he completely misses that hole. <laughs> and he's, he's going, like, That's one of the saddest pictures. How, right. It doesn't matter how many holes your offensive line is opening. If you don't have uh, that that intelligence or that awareness um, to where to go. So, I mean, I guess that's that's ultimately the point I was trying to make. So, I mean, anybody has anything else to say, then we're going to move on to Jamin and his top five rankings. Yeah, AJ, just real quick. Is it Zeke's team or is it Dak's team? Oh, I mean, right now I would say it's Zeke's team. He's he's the he's a long-term answer. I, right I got to go he Dak. <laughs> I mean, hey, I would just say that. And once Dak gets paid, hey, it's all Dak's team. But right now, Dak's on that one-year rental. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, ultimately, you know, we want to talk about production. We want to talk about the leader of the team. Obviously, it's Dak, but the team has shown a clear commitment to Zeke while they continue to play with Dak. And I understand all the the rumors about how much he wants and all those all of those uh, different things, which are rumors still at the end of the day. But you got paid a man, definitely. All right, Jamin, let, let's hear let's hear that top five. All right, number one, I think, is is no surprise to anybody. It's Christian McCaffrey. Number two is Derrick Henry. Number three, I'm going Saquon Barkley. Number four, I'm going Ezekiel Elliott. Number five, I'm going Nick Chubb. Oh, man, I don't, I don't think anybody can argue with any of those, to be honest with you. I think those are, depending on who you talk to, all five of those could be interchangeable. Right. So I I agree and I think the rest of the fans would agree why Christian McCaffrey was number one. So walk us through why you ranked the rest of the players and the rankings that they have. Right. So for, well, let's just start with, with Christian McCaffrey first. I, I put him as number one because he can rush and he can catch the ball. So, I mean, he, he, put 1300 yards rushing or uh, uh, rushing with a thousand yards receiving. Yeah. I think that just speaks to his dynamicism. And I think he's, he's truly just a terror with the ball in his hands. He can really do it all. I like Derek Henry as number two, simply because uh, he went up against some tough defenses. If you look at the rankings, as far as who had the best rushing defense, you're going to see the Baltimore Ravens and the new England Patriots in the top five. I thought they were both overrated as far as the run defenses, but that's what the stats say. And Derrick Henry tore through them both. And, uh, you know, he led the league in rushing. He's a power running back. He he really can do it all. So, uh, well, sorry, he can't really catch. So he doesn't really catch much out of the backfield. But no, they, they really have Deion Lewis. Back yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he's he's just – he's a nightmare for any opposing defense. So I think you'd have to give him that respect, put him at number two. Saquon Barkley, you, you have all the physical tools, all the mental attributes you'd want in Saquon Barkley. He was hurt, missed some games. He still put up great numbers. Uh, the Giants just suck. 
They flat out suck. And uh, <laughs> he's really the star on that team. And he, he puts the team on his back. And, and they are where they are, even though they're awful, because Saquon Barkley is doing what he's doing. Uh, we already talked about Ezekiel Elliott a little bit. But, I mean, you can't discount this man's sustained greatness uh, year in and year out. He he really kills it. I think he's uh, – I, I, I think he's fantastic. One thing that was a little alarming – sorry, go ahead. He kills it for an 8-8 eight eight team. <laughs> hey, it, it, it's a team. Hey, right? that's their defense too, though. Their their defense was, was bad. Offensively, they were pretty good last year. So, we got a fan back there. Yes. <laughs> Mom has to use the restroom. It's all good. But uh and then five, I got Nick Chubb, and I think you know he really came on last year. He did he did great great things. He was PFF's number uh, one rated running back. So I'm gonna go with uh, Nick Chubb. <laughs> Sorry, it's kind of hard to pay attention <laughs> with my niece back there yelling. Um. Okay. All right. I mean. I mean, personally, I can't. I can't really poke holes or argue into it uh, too much. So, with that being said, who has the longer career, Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey? That's a good question. I say uh, Christian McCaffrey will. Okay. I say that too. I think Christian McCaffrey will have it. Um, but I mean. Oh man, Derrick Henry does not get hurt at all, like whatsoever. So, I mean, but I'm going to go with McCaffrey just because I think he's uh, more prone to not getting himself hit. I mean, they talk about it all the time, like how quarterbacks, the ones who run, especially Russell Wilson, does a great job at it. Um, Derrick Henry, or excuse me, Christian McCaffrey will just know not to get hit or not to take those cheap hits when Derrick Henry is just going to be an open target to everything and anything coming at him. Yeah, and he runs high. So I mean, yeah, he runs very high. Yeah, he's a tall man. Um, and I—that was the biggest knock with him coming out of college was just how high he runs. You know, with those things, I would agree with both of you and say that Christian McCaffrey would last in the league longer because he is a threat of the backfield as well as taking the rock and running it. Which means when he starts to get slower, he starts to get older, he can still provide that that receiving aspect, whereas Definitely. most who are one-dimensional running backs like a Derrick Henry couldn't. Right. But if Carolina continues to use Christian McCaffrey the way they are using him, they will run him into the ground and I he will be done and out within like maybe four years. He had 403 touches yeah. last yeah. year. He's on the field all the that, time. Yeah, that is a lot. Now, I mean, you know, he, he's not a he's not a big guy either. So that he, that's really going to take wear and tear on his body. And I couldn't see him being able to sustain that. It would, you know, within the next two or maybe three years, it's going to be it's going to be bad at that point. I don't think he. I think he'd be out, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They, they have to get better as a team. You know, again, they don't have a good offensive line. So, uh, you know, according to PFF and Pro Football Focus, they have a, you know, top, tw- uh, top 20 offensive line, but certainly nothing to write home about. They were number 15 on, on Pro Football Focus and number 18 on PFF. But, uh, you know, he, he's really doing a lot of these things himself, and he, he, he has taken a lot of hits. And like you said, they give him the ball on every possession. So, 
I think they need to get him help. I think they need to get somebody to compliment him to help take that to help take away some of those carries. We we know that they're they're trying to tank for Trevor Lawrence next year. It's not a secret. Right. But you know, the least they could do is draft a running back in the second or third round. Of course not to replace him, but to, to help him more so and help um give him that that longer career. I mean they they're certainly paying for it right, right, right. now with record dealing. Cam Newton's still out All there right. also. Oh man, I mean, where does he go at this point? You know, I, I know he's still sitting out there because they can't do the medical check. But I mean, hey, that, that that's another discussion. That's another segment. Now I know everybody doesn't care about the moderator's top five, but I'm gonna give it anyway. All right, so number one I have is I got King Henry as number one. He ran over my Baltimore Ravens. I think he is the best pure runner that there is. He's he's real old school. He's a power back. Yeah, man, that dude is crazy. Then, and the speed he has. Usually, when you see these power backs, they lack those. They lack that speed. That's why you see them in short yardage and and goal lines. But this dude takes off when he when he gets out. And then you know we're talking about Christian McCaffrey's offensive line. I mean, according to PFF, their run block percentage was a sixty two point eight, as opposed to Derrick Henry's, which was a sixty point seven. So less than that Carolina Panthers, and he still racked off 1,500 yards with a 5.1 yards per carry and 16 total touchdowns. I don't know what they were doing with him the first for the first like two years, I think, but they they weren't doing something right. Right. So you had, you had Matt I mean, Lafleur there. <laughs> but I mean, obviously, you can't pay somebody like that because that type of running while he has the speed to get away from people, his body takes a lot of hits, whether he's delivering them or taking them. It's a lot on his body. Uh, number two, I got, of course, uh, CMC, Christian McCaffrey. Three, I got Zeke. Four, I got Chubb. And five, I got somebody none of y'all put, which is Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones belongs in there. Look at him. He was a beast last year. Just running the ball. Me not putting Zeke on there, but you have no Sanquan? I, 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 it's interchangeable. Wait, I, I think a top five running back, but if we look at last yeah, season, Aaron Jones, is in Aaron Jones had a better season than Saquon did. I think Saquon is more talented as a running back, but last year, Aaron Jones was, Aaron Jones was dope. Last yeah, year. he was good. Yeah. Not only running the ball, but catching the ball. He, he was a machine. I mean, uh, Jamin, I know you know. How many touchdowns did he have? 16. Tied for the, uh, the league lead. Yeah, he he's, he's a monster. And the thing also is he does not get as many touches as all these other guys. So uh, he's he's by, you know, maybe a 200 touches short from Christian McCaffrey and 100 short from from uh, a lot of these top guys. So, I mean, he, he puts up numbers with not as many carries. I rest my case. He belongs up there. You know, again, uh, th- these top fives are always interchangeable, and a lot of them are based on year to year. But I think he certainly deserves to be up there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Showing my man some love. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, when you work for it, I ain't going to deny <laughs> it, you know. Uh, I'm not like some of these other cats that just don't like you because uh, what team you play for. Like, no, you can't deny that stuff. Do we know how many of those touchdowns were receiving? Uh, that's a good question. We can we can certainly look it up and find out how many of those touchdowns yeah. we're receiving. Absolutely. Yeah. Unless you know. Do you know? I don't know off the top of my head. That's why I'm asking. Come on. Come on. I know Jamin's got it right now. Yeah. So 
what is this? Receiving TDs, he had three. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Not not to mention, he had a four point six yards per carry average. Running behind, according to PFF, uh, a offensive line that was fifty seven percent in run. Yeah. So he had sixteen rushing touchdowns and three uh, receiving touchdowns. That's a very good case. I'll slept on him. Yeah. Uh, I'm even more disappointed that Jamie <laughs> slept on him. Man. I'll talk about talent-wise. I wouldn't put him in there, but he's he's close. I'd put him in the top oh. seven, top eight. No, I think talent-wise, you'd have to put – I would go with more yours, talent-wise. But, you know, I mean, look, look at what he had last year. The dude was dope last but. year. All right. So, of course, we would love to hear from you listeners. What do you agree? What do you disagree with? We will attach our – email to send any questions you might have any anything you agree with anything you disagree with with any of these top fives or who may have been omitted uh from that well again our email is opinionated.podcast8 at gmail we will put that in the link so you can send us and we will be happy to answer any questions you might have so moving on from our top five running backs, which will be a series that we'll go through all positions and get our top five. Just like this next topic will be a series that we are continue to do with our division winners for the 2020 season. So first we're going to, we're going to go to Jamin's favorite division. Yeah. So this one's pretty easy to me. It's the the green Bay Packers. I think they're essentially returning the same team. They have the best one, two, three in the division and Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams. They have a good defense that gets after the passer. You know, they got Zadarius Smith. He was better than Khalil Mack last year. You may have not have known that. He have uh, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, who was a rookie. We're expecting better things uh, this upcoming year. They got Jair Alexander, who's a budding star at the cornerback position. Kevin King, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage. These guys are all great. I think one thing that they're going to have to figure out is that inside linebacker position. They're not going to be great against the run. So, yeah, I mean, that, that just is what it is. And they're year two in Matt LaFleur's system. Uh, the offense should be better, should be opened up to a greater degree. All in all, I would say the Packers have better players at the most important positions than any other team in the NFC North, and they should win it with a 10-6, and 11-5 and five record. All right, so that's the division winners. Let, let, let's fill out the rest of the division. What, what do you have the rest of the rankings coming at the end of the 2020 season? Yeah, so I'm going to go uh, – all right, this might surprise some people, but I'm, I'm going to go Detroit, Vikings, and Chicago. Ooh. Ooh, that makes sense. Ooh. <laughs> um, I don't have enough faith okay. in Detroit to put them on a <laughs> I mean, I don't have any faith in Matt Patricia. Right. But uh, before before we go down that road, uh, let, let's backtrack on everything you were saying about Green Bay. I think one of the most underrated things that fans don't pay attention to is when teams are in their, their first year of their head coach or their first year of the offense or, you know, even the first year of the defense, whatever that may be. Uh, the playbook is often limited because it's new concepts, new designs, new play calling that the players have to adjust to. And as, as the season goes on, it gets open more, gets open more, but it never is fully open uh, for the players until maybe year two, year three, I guess, depending on the progression of the players. But that's always such a big thing to have experience and years within a coach's playbook 
and it opens so much more. A lot of times you hear about that with younger quarterbacks or younger players, how they only want them to focus on uh, maybe like, let's say 15, 20% of the playbook because they have to learn it. They have to understand it. And then as time goes on, they open it more and more and more. And so that is one thing that gets, that's underrated. And I think that gets glossed over by fans. And I'm glad you pointed it out. It's year two now. So, it'll be exciting to see what the offense looks like this year. I still think it's going to be run heavy, definitely. but yeah. it'll, it'll yeah. definitely be different. Um, I, I, I like how you like to throw Zadarius Smith, a, a Baltimore Raven draft pick and talk about how <laughs> was better than Khalil Mack. I'm not going to mention how much the defense was on the field and how that gases pass rushers, but you know, we'll, we'll continue <laughs> to move on. <laughs> Uh, Rashawn, Rashawn Gary, second year. Well, I'm already, I'm already labeling a brother. <laughs> you know, what, what over number twelfth overall, right? Right, number twelfth overall. He's probably going to be a solid backup, but just based off of what I saw last year, what he was coming out, uh, that ain't it, bro. That ain't it. <laughs> that ain't, I know how much you like to try and rev yourself up about right. it with all those Homer, uh, Homer reporters, but. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the pick, uh, as you know, but I mean, I, I'm still, I'm still <laughs> optimistic and hopeful. He was not good last year. I'm hoping that he, he's better, you know, sophomore year. As a fan, you gotta be, you know. I mean, it's you gotta be optimistic that they're gonna do better. All right, cool. They got a year in the NFL now. They're gonna have a year of strength and conditioning under them, a year under the playbook. Let's see what they can do. You know, some players they take, they take longer. Like I think of Paul Kruger who the Ravens drafted in the second round at a Utah in 2000, I want to say eight. And he didn't really come on until his fourth year, that Super Bowl run in 2012. And they kind of kept tweening him between defensive and outside linebacker. He really came on in that last year, got a fat contract to Cleveland and then fizzled out. But some players, it just takes longer. And Brandon knows all about that with the Kansas city chiefs who like to flourish in with other teams and not necessarily with Kansas City. Isn't that right, Brandon? Yeah, I can name a few like Joe Horn and Donnie Edwards. <laughs> Brandon, what do you got for the North? Uh, I have the Packers winning the North. It's it's a no-brainer. It's Aaron Rodgers. He's, you know, just the main guy. But I can make a case for Chicago with uh, Nick Foles and his magic that he does every single time he <laughs> seems to step on the field. Um, the who knows? Jacksonville would have been if he stayed healthy. He got hurt the first game. I mean, so we haven't seen him since his magical run, and everybody seems to forget, like, or think that it's maybe gone. But it, who's to say it's not? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I got Chicago. Uh, may, you know, maybe taking over the division if they can get over that hump. They can never seem to win in, out in Lambeau Field. Um, right. Yeah, they have know, a really if, good defense. Obviously, it's just that offense that everyone's worried about. Yeah, I mean, but Nick Foles takes care of the ball. True. So, I mean, they'll, they'll be on the field less. Um, hopefully, Montgomery can come and step up. He was uh, not as great as I thought he would be. But maybe he can come and step up and then get that running game going. And, you know, they already have um, a couple of good receivers, and then they just drafted that tight end, uh, Cole Con- Commit. Yeah. And everybody's saying that they think is he's going to be, you know, uh, dynamic and, you know, shifty like Kelsey uh, and Kittle. So we'll see if uh, Chicago can, you know, take a step forward this year, and right. that's if they just start to start to dis- uh, start, um, 
Nick Foles over Trubisky. Who knows how what that's going to be like? Right. So the Bears have an eight game stretch of Falcons, Colts, Tom Brady, the Rams, the Saints, Tennessee Titans, Minnesota Vikings, and Green Bay Packers. What's their record going to be in those eight games? You said like two Buccaneers. You just said Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) You only said like okay. So uh, you said Falcons, Minnesota. Okay, so go ahead, say it again. Falcons, Colts, Brady, Rams, Saints, Tennessee Titans, Minnesota Vikings, and Green Bay Packers. How many games is that? Eight. I got them at one and seven. Really? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't see them winning. I, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if they go zero and eight. But I think they might beat the Colts. I say three five. That's like the team that I don't think they will beat. I think they'll beat uh, the Atlanta Falcons. I think they'll beat Minnesota. I think they'll beat um, Falcons have the, Gurley, the Rams. Oh, uh, we haven't seen Gurley and play in like three years. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think they could win four games, four and go four and four. Okay, that's fair. AJ, what do you got for the North? I mean, I mean, back to what Brandon was saying about Chicago. I think Chicago will always be doomed to fail as long as Mitchell Trubisky is reporting. 100%. Let's hear everybody cry. MVP Mitch, right? MVP Mitch. But, you know, you have a head coach who's, who's not going to call him out, out there. You have a general manager who refuses to talk about the mistake that they took Mitchell Trubisky over a Deshaun Watson. A soft. Patrick Mahomes. That's why soft. <laughs> to be fair, nobody knew Patrick Mahomes was going to be what he was going to be, but you already knew what Deshaun Watson was coming out of college. But instead, you know, you take a you take somebody who has what 10, 10 career starts under him as a quarterback at North Carolina, no less, and that they refuse to bench this dude for whatever reason, as <laughs> terrible as he is. And these fans seem to think that he was going to be an MVP candidate last year. That's crazy. People were betting on that right, at the casino. Right. Let's not forget they That's signed crazy. Jimmy Graham, so they're not doing nothing. No, absolutely <laughs> not. And then Brandon's making the case for Nick Foles. I mean, we certainly know who Nick Foles is as a starter. He's been in the league long enough. He was with, um, I want to say Houston. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But the most recent time uh, he was with Philly, he got drafted by Philly by Andy Reid, which was pretty good. And then he went elsewhere. He wasn't good. He was with the Rams. He wasn't good. Then he went to the Eagles as a backup, which he was good thanks to Frank Reich, the Indianapolis's head coach, who designed that offense. for And those third down plays, which they've been sorely lacking. So he was good when he was with them. But then he went to Jacksonville. Uh, he was hurt, but I, overall, I feel like we know who Nick Foles is. Can I say something? He was with Kansas City as well, wasn't yeah. he? He was a backup. He stepped in for Alex Smith when he got hurt and won all three games. And then, um, so that's Andy Reid's tree. And then he, he went to Philly. He's good. That's Andy Reid's tree with Doug Peterson. Now he's going to be in Chicago, Matt Nagy, with the Andy Reid's tree. So you're going to tell me that that has nothing to do with it? You're still in my thunder. That's a very right? good point. That's a very good point. That, that was back. That was the point I was trying to make because oh. now he's going to Chicago with Matt Nagy, who was his offensive coordinator while he was in Kansas City. Now I know, and Brandon tells me all the time how no matter who the offensive coordinator is in Kansas City, it's Andy Reid who was calling the plays. Even though I mean he's he's let loose from those reins, has he not? 
Uh, yeah, um, Eric B. Enemy does a really good job. Okay, but at least during that time when Matt Nagy was there, he was his offensive coordinator, and he still did well in Kansas City. So that still leaves a level of optimism that he will do, without a doubt, better than Mitchell Trubisky, but he will do uh, pretty good, I guess. Uh, we'll see. It, you know, it, it remains to be seen. Right. I don't see that. But, he, I don't you know, see that he was with Houston, but he was with Philly, and uh, yeah. Okay. So just a little. Okay, that that that's completely on me. Then um, I do remember he was drafted by Andy Reid out of Arizona. Yeah. I think from there, I don't know where he went from there. Do you see? Yeah, he went there? to uh, the Rams. Oh, then he went to the Rams. Then he went to Kansas right. City. Then he went to right. Philly. Got it. All right. Uh, hey, I don't know everything, but thank you for thank you for that fact it's check. All good. So let's move on from Brandon stealing my thunder for making the points I was trying to make. <laughs> okay, I forgive you. All right. So I, I mean, I agree with Jamin. I think and Brandon, you both said it. I think Green Bay is going to win the division. However, I will make the case for Minnesota to win the division. No. As you all know, Minnesota went down to the wire with Green Bay last year. They made the playoffs, they won the wild card, and then they lost the divisional. They got they got smacked around in the divisional by um, San Francisco. So when we look at their losses, they lost Trey Waynes, who wasn't very good. I don't think he became a starter until his third year. They lost Everson Griffin, who was who was was pretty good pass rusher, but he's a lot older now. They lost Linval Joseph, who was a pro bowler at one time. Mackenzie Alexander, who was a whiff in the second round, I believe, out of Clemson. I wanted the Ravens to draft him. They lost Xavier Rhodes, who hasn't been good for some time now. Uh, Steven Weatherly, I'm not sure who that is. And Andrew Sandejo, who was a good safety for them. But they filled the role of Linval Joseph with Baltimore Ravens' own undrafted free agent out of Samson, Michael Pierce, who is a beast. You guys are welcome. And they had a phenomenal draft. Uh, Justin Jefferson yeah. in the first, Jeff Gladney, who was going to be better than Trey Waynes. They picked up Ezra Cleveland, who still needs some work. He, I think he was still a raw. I think he was still pretty raw. Uh, most analysts agreed on that. Um, they got Cam Dantzler out of Mississippi State. Uh, they they had a, a they got Troy Dye, who's going to be thrown in there as well. They had a very good draft. Uh, with all that being said, I think if you look at what they were able to do last year and you even look at their addition subtractions, granted the rookies are going to gonna be far behind without the rookie mini camps, without much of the training camps, not being to be able to be out there with the coaches. But I think all of that certainly helps them make the case to win the division. I think we know who Kirk Cousins is. Kirk Cousins is not the same when he's not in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Kyle Shanahan certainly schemed up a lot of those throws, a lot of those receivers to be open, What uh, the same what he's doing in Frisco right now. But Kirk Cousins is a quarterback who needs to throw off of the run. And we, we know who he is. I think they know who he is and shouldn't ask too much of him with that. And I think with Justin Jefferson and everyone else they drafted, that they could certainly sneak up in the division and, and win it. Cause I think the consensus across the board is green Bay will be the winner. Yeah. Let's not forget that they also, they, they Dalvin cook missed some time last year. So, I mean, I think, you know, you, you bring up some good points. My, my thing always boils back down to the fact that they got Kirk cousins who cannot perform in big situations. 
and they have that porous offensive line that Green Bay just absolutely exploits. So they they did draft Ezra Cleveland. They drafted two rookie corners. But again, you know, you got rookies in there. Uh, good luck, Purple Barneys. That's all I can say. <laughs> Pur- purple man eaters. Hey, they gonna get you. Yeah, just to add on that too, it just seems like they trimmed all the fat that they had off of that they had on them, and looked like they could uh, make a run, like you're saying. But at the end of the day, Kirk Cousins is just Kirk Cousins. Right. And, and I, don't, I think the loss of Stephen Diggs being replaced by Justin Jefferson that's a drop off, and I think that they're gonna, you know, it's gonna take Justin Jefferson some time to be the beast that I think he is. But Stefan Diggs was the Green Bay killer. He really gave Jair Alexander trouble. When you when you take him away, Adam Thielen is pedestrian. If you look at the games where Stefan Diggs either sat out or was injured, Adam Thielen is trash because he gets a number one corner matched up across from him. And mm. he's going to be really exposed this year. I see them struggling tremendously in the past game. Obviously, Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook, and he's going to be himself. He's going to do what he does. But I just can't see them. I honestly don't even see them making the playoffs. I got him at seven and nine. Ooh. Oh, dang. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for – especially wide receivers. They don't just come in and start tearing up the league, I mean, unless you're just gifted. But, um, you know, Justin Jefferson could obviously do that. But I do do see them having some trouble moving the ball this this next year. Let's just hope – good catch, Jay, with uh, Stephon Diggs. That was something that I forgot to mention. I definitely think that's something that – will hurt them obviously when you take away his catches and his production hopefully we'll see matt Nagy can open up the offense more or do something a little different with nick Foles behind there because he looks like a lost man with mitchell trubisky back there Uh, he ain't helping anybody so hopefully that'll change some things dalvin cook might be able to stay healthy uh, hopefully our boy wait, Alexander wait, wait. Madison, talking about IE product. What was that? You you were just talking about uh the Bears. Oh, I'm tripping. Yo, I'm it's tripping. all good. Oh man, I was really talking about the Bears. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, Matt Nagy? What you talking about? I thought you were just gonna give a quick yeah. rundown of the division. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely tripping. I don't know what I was thinking of. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, Stefan Diggs is gone. Hopefully, uh Dalvin Cook can stay healthy right. because even with that porous offensive he's line, he, he's still a monster back yeah. there. And I think that's just his, his elusiveness and his speed right. that where, where he can make those, where he can make those cuts and even get those quick closing holes. Cause it seems like the Vikings can't hold a, a line open, right. but with, hopefully ever Ezra Cleveland can help there. Alex, Alexander Madison, a product of the IE could actually build up on uh, a pretty weak rookie season if Dalvin Cook does go down, and sure. uh, we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, everything that you brought up are are legit points to think that they would be less than a division winner, even less than you know the the second in the standings. Uh, but you know, they they did they did have a winning record last year, and they did win the wild card playoff game. True. So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, but the rest of my division. I had was Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit, and Chicago. Chicago last. I don't care about your boy Nagy. Right. <laughs> he, he shouldn't have won that coach of the year. Let's all be honest. I all mean, right. he turned Mitchell Trubisky into an MVP candidate. <laughs> <laughs> A Pro Bowl quarterback. A Pro Bowl. He went to the Pro Bowl. He went as an alternate, didn't he? Yeah, he went as an alternate. Uh, that is awful. 
That is, oh man. Yeah, but I'll I'll start. I'll say the Packers one. Um, even though I made my case for Chicago, I'll put them at number two, and then I'll put uh, Minnesota three, and then Detroit four. Yeah, we we didn't really talk about your your Detroit your Detroit pick. Right. Yeah, we don't have much time. I, wa- I want to get to the rookie quarterbacks, but I, I when you when you look at Detroit, I think that they got you know Stafford. They still got Galladay, Marvin Jones. Uh, I think Amendola's still there, right? Or did he retire? No, he's there. Okay, and then they got T.J. Hawkinson, who you know I'm really really high on. Um, I oh, thought that generational talent. He's a generational yeah. talent. Yeah, I think they they uh, he actually reminds me a lot of Kittle, so I think he's gonna. He's going to help that offense out a lot. They were very good last year and competitive in a lot of games without Stafford. So we already know that Stafford's a pretty good quarterback. So when he's in there, uh, they're in their third year, I think, with Patricia's system. I think they're going to be much improved. I could see them at eight and eight. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. I mean, I I, I haven't looked at their schedule, but yeah, well, I mean, I, I just don't believe in Matt Patricia. And I think over the years, You've seen Matt Stafford declining as well. Right. Uh, but oh, you know, we'll last year, Matt Stafford was tearing it up a little bit. <laughs> He's a beast, man. Was he? I got to stop thinking of everything in fantasy terms. I do that way too often now. Guilty I as well. That's, that's what that's what changes our look at players. Oh, they didn't give me thirty points. Oh, they suck. Then <laughs> when you you know they're actually pretty good. Right. Uh, but okay, so moving on to our to our next topic. Rookie quarterbacks, which one is going to have the better season? Which one went into the best position to succeed? Which one is going to have the better career? AJ, why don't you start us on this Oh, me, huh? Okay, all right. So I think that Tua would be the better one, but I'm going to make the argument for Joe Burrow. Let's look at Joe, Joe Burrow last year and how he tore the NCAA up. It's been said that from all the scouts that he moves just like Tom Brady in the pocket, which I think will translate over. Uh, he goes he goes into a good position. I wouldn't say the best position. I think he has the better uh, projection overall to be the better quarterback. Right now he has A.J. Green. He has Tyler Boyd. He has Joe Mixon, who was still one of the better running backs back there last year. He has an all right offensive line, but I think the team after former teams, I mean, for former players, former coaches calling out the organization and how they've been lackadaisical to win now is committed to help him win. Not to mention they go out and they get him T Higgins in the second round. I think overall, he's going to be the better quarterback. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, that's an easy pick. So you think he's going to have the the best season? He landed in the best situation and will have the better career. I will make that argument. He will have all of all of the above. Okay. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll go off next, and I think Tua as well has the um, not. I don't think he'll have the longest or uh, the best career, just because of the whole injury stake. I don't think that I can um, bank on him for. 10 plus years. I definitely think Burrow will probably have the longest career, but Tua right now is going to thrive the first few years if he stays healthy over Joe Burrow because I have in Tua in college, his 2018 stats was he was 245 for 355, 69 completion percentage, almost 4,000 yards, literally like two yards shy. 
Um, 11.2 yards in the air. So it means he's throwing, he's chucking them downfield. He's not doing no checkdowns. And then he was 43 touchdowns and six interceptions compared to Burrow, where you have a 57.8 completion percentage, 2,894 yards, a 7.6 yards uh, per completion in, through the air, and then 16 um, touchdowns to five interceptions. That's the whole 2018. And then Tua was on pace in 2019 to do the same thing before he got hurt. He was already at 30-something touchdowns. So I providing back-to-back years and when he stepped in late and thrown into the national championship to go out there and win it, um, you know, I've seen enough from Tua come back-to-back years and then now going into the draft to, a you know, a complete Dolphins team. They're okay. Um, their defense, their secondary is great. Their defense is all uh, good altogether. They have some weapons, so I don't think he's in a terrible situation. Um, you know, I just don't th- – I don't I – can, I can say that I don't really believe in the whole Burrow hype because I, I think that pro-style offense, all five offensive linemen went into the draft. They all got drafted. Um, he had Clyde Edwards-Alaire, first pick, first-round pick. Uh, Justin Jefferson, first-round pick. And, of course, they had a great defense with Patrick Queen back there and uh, all those other um, – and then who was the corner that got drafted to by Atlanta in the first round? Or is that – Correll, he was out of Clemson, though. Okay, but, you know, other than that, they got a, they had a solid defense. So with all of that help and all of those – with those having the 60 touchdowns, I don't see him coming to Cincinnati and tearing it up. I see Tua tearing it up and everybody going, whoa, whoa, Tua, Tua, Tua. But, you know, for the career, I think Burrow would probably overtake Tua just because of the injuries. Well, let's let, let's recap real quick. You said a complete Miami Dolphins? <laughs> yeah, they have weapons. They got a they run. Are, they have a great secondary. They are not a complete team. They are a yeah. building team. Brian, uh, I think that I think they'll be a little bit different. Uh, and then I noticed you wanted to, you know, you're over here taking shots at my boy Joe Burrow, aka Macaulay Culkin. Uh, but you wanted to, you wanted to rally off 2018 stats, but you didn't rally off his completion percentage in 2019. I saw you talk about the touchdowns. You didn't talk about his passing yards. You didn't talk about that national championship. Yeah, because all of that was completed by five draft picks of the offensive line and Justin Jefferson and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and a pro-style offense. And, you know, I mean, you could see how much – I just don't see how that much of a jump could just be raw talent. He literally threw 16 touchdowns and five interceptions. He literally threw only almost 3,000 yards. And you're going to tell me that, oh, I just – decided to change into this new person and throw 60 touchdowns and 5,000 plus yards because I don't have any help with me. They were there the year before. It was just him getting acclimated to the offense. I mean, are we not going to talk about Jerry Judy and uh, in that, in that offense, or we're not going to talk about Henry Ruggs, the third in that offense. Are we going to just skip, skip over that stuff too? We'll we'll skip over that because it's been, (laughs) it's been consistent. Okay, all right. Is, is Tua even going to start, though? I, that's the question. Yes, Tua is going to start. I'll go down to Miami myself and <laughs> slap whoever's down there. All right, all right. The, the smart answer would be like, nah, let him sit, let him learn, let him heal, and give him give him a redshirt year. That's what I personally would do. But, you know, everything is win now, you know? Dolphins are not winning now no matter what. 
but let's hear it, Jay. I, I think the answer is quite clear. It's unquestionably Jordan Love as far as who is who's the best situation and who wants the best career. It is Jordan Love. Anytime you're selected by a team and not expected to perform right away, it should be considered a tremendous blessing. When you're selected by a team and you get to sit behind one of the best players to ever do it at the position for two to three years, you've struck gold. And if we look at the organizations that these these players went to, Miami, Cincinnati, Chargers, do any of them really jump off the page to you as winning franchises? When you look at all of those teams, do they engender any confidence in, you, in any of you? Of course no. not. When you're representing the Green Bay Packers, this is a different ballgame. Green Bay is an outstanding organization with a winning culture steeped in football excellence. Green Bay will put Love in a better position to win than Tua, Burrow, or Herbert will ever dream of. The point is further driven home when we talk about the divisions that they will be competing in. Tua is competing this year against the Bills and the Patriots. Bills have upcomer Josh Allen. He's not going anywhere for a long time. They got the Patriots. They are the Patriots. And then the Jets have Sam Darnold, who is, again, not going anywhere for a long time. That division will have good players at the QP position for years. Burrow is competing against, immediately, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Big Ben. Big Ben is on his way out, but the other two are going to be a while for a while. And they're obviously very good. Um, How about Herbert? You know, he's going to be in the division with Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, and Drew Locke. He will be the third or fourth best QB in that division his entire life. Well, how about Jordan Love? Jordan Love right now might be the best quarterback in that division, not named Aaron Rodgers. Right now. In three years, when Love takes the reins, Stafford will be on his way out. Cousins should be working at Stater Brothers. Mitch Trubisky will be throwing that thing back at your local nude club. Love is an absolute best division to be in, and he will definitely take the crown when Rodgers is ready to pass it to him. But what about Jordan Love himself? You know, many dub him as a poor man's Patrick Mahomes with a cannon for an arm and athleticism to rival Josh Allen. In 2018, Jordan Love blew up the scene to the tune of 3,500 yards, 32 touchdowns to six interceptions. Obviously, in 2019, he dropped down to 3,400 yards, 20 touchdowns to 17 interceptions. That was the big knock on him, you know, but it does need to be contextualized. He lost nine offensive starters in 2019 and his head coach. So not only did he have nine new starters, he lost all four of his off. Well, he lost four of the five offensive line starters, uh, but now he has a new head coach. So again, I will tell you this outside of Russell Wilson, if you take nine offensive starters from any team in the NFL, including Patrick Mahomes, they will struggle. You can't take nine offensive starters away from a team and say, Hey, this guy, duplicate your success from last year. So I'm not, I'm not sold that his 2019 is indicative of his performance or his skills. I think it was just a – he's a victim of a poor supporting cast in many instances. So, again, I, I think Jordan Love is going to be – obviously, he's in the best situation. He went to the best team, and I think he's going to have the best career. Obviously, he's not playing next season. So if you were to ask me who's going to have the best season out of all of them, I'm going to go Herbert. He's – uh. He currently got a beast in Keenan Allen. They still got Mike Williams. They signed Brian Bulaga to shore up that offensive line. They traded for pro boy Trey Turner from the Panthers. They still got Eckler back there. That defense is probably going to be the best in the league. They are going to be otherworldly. You want to talk about Miami having a good secondary? This secondary blows Miami's out of the water. The, the Chargers defense is stacked at every single position. 
I, I mean, I, it's it's going to be a nightmare for offensive. I really want to see how Patrick Mahomes goes up against this defense. But again, you're forgetting one thing, though. What's that one thing? The Chargers are the Chargers. <laughs> but if you look at the team, though, if you look at the team, they're good at every position. The only question is, can Herbert himself play? If Herbert can play, this team's going to the playoffs. Tua's not going to the playoffs. Burrow is not going to the playoffs. Love, Love is going to the playoffs as a backup. Um, Herbert has a chance to lead a team to the playoffs. So I'm going to say he's going to have the best season. The Chargers are going to do the best out of those teams. I don't even think Tua's going to start. Joe Burrow will, will finish third or fourth in that division. And uh, Jordan Love is a backup. So, yeah. How many times have we seen rookie quarterbacks go in there and crash and burn? Going where? Going anywhere. I'm talking about her. You're saying Herbert has the chance to lead his team. But yeah, more times than not, rookie quarterbacks getting thrown into the fire like that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. But that defense is going to give them every chance to succeed because the scores are going to be something like nine to seven. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be good. They're going to get after the passer. They're going to defend the pass. They're going to defend the run. And again, he's throwing to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams with Eckler still back there. So, I mean, you, you really couldn't have asked for a better situation. He has better weapons than Jordan Burrow. He has better weapons than um, than Tua. He has better weapons than Love, even. He he landed in the best situation, and I think he's going to do the best. Oh, really? All right, let's, let's, let's unpack this. We'll go down the line. How, first, how long did it take you to write that speech down you just gave? It, a little bit. It took me a bit. <laughs> Thank you. We are going to rewind this, all this Jordan Love hype in three to four years if he is an average quarterback <laughs> on play. Uh, third, let, let, let's drop the, oh, he lost nine offensive players. I mean, you're, you're now you're comparing those NCAA small-time school. What, what school do you go to again? Utah. Utah. That's not even the power five. Um and say that if they any of these other quarterbacks lost NFL starters, and I can't, Utah I can't, State, I can't Utah agree State, with actually. that. Utah State, I can't agree with that comparison. No, no, I hear you. It's not a fair but, comparison for sure. But I absolutely think if, um, he is in the better situation to develop and be a better quarterback. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, uh, I, I think. He's obviously he has some flaws and, you know, a lot of times that the 17 interceptions is pretty glaring. But again, you know, they're, they're calling him Patrick Mahomes light for a reason. He makes some incredible throws that they only see Patrick Mahomes, you know, Russell Wilson, maybe Aaron Rodgers making. You know, you're not going to see Lamar Jackson making the type of throws this man's making already in college. So. So disrespectful, like Patrick Mahomes light. Like you see who Patrick Mahomes is. You can call this kid light playing in uh playing. Hey man, the, the, the analysts are calling him that. I'm just saying that there, there's a reason they're calling him that. Is he he has some talent for sure. Your 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 boy uh Brugler was calling him that. <laughs> He's Patrick Mahomes light. Hey, remember when Patrick man. Mahomes was coming out, people weren't talking about him. They they were talking about him the same way. He's a project. He needs to sit behind someone and develop. They're saying the same things about mm-hmm. about Jordan Love. And again, to come into a situation yeah. where you have no pressure to perform, come on now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just have that that angry quarterback with the mustache. <laughs> yeah, who's to, say, who, who's to say he's ever going to tell him anything? That's true. 
And let's look at, yeah, I mean, look at all the quarterbacks that were behind Peyton Manning. Look at all the quarterbacks that were behind Tom Brady. Just because you got a great quarterback in front of you does not mean very much. That's true, but how many of those were selected in the first round? Imagine if Andrew Luck got to sit behind Peyton Manning for two years. Andrew Andrew Luck would have been, in my opinion, much better than he already was, and he was already good. I get yeah, it. and then you know, you know, I mean, even if you're talking about all these quarterbacks that sat behind Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, if we're being honest, none of them were going to be starters. They were all just backups. Back, back to Jay's point about quarterbacks taken in the first round, right? Except for the dude, uh, what's his name, uh, Garoppolo, right? They drafted him as a replacement. Mm-hmm. Yep. Until Brady went to Kraft and was like, "Yo, get him out of here." Right. But all right. I mean, any any more thoughts ab- about anything, gentlemen? Nope, I'm excited. No, for I'm season. okay. Yeah, finally, much much needed. Ravens to the Super Bowl. We already know what's going to happen. I, I do have a question. If we could touch on it real quick, Let's Brandon, go. what did you think of uh, Drew Brees' statement? Ooh. Oh, um, I think. Just like everything else, man, you can't just blurt out something that's so sensitive right now and just think that what you're saying is um, not going to offend some people. I mean, I know comment or something, even that's what if that's what you believed in. Uh, and, and then to explain yourself a little further, don't just, oh, whoever disrespects the flag doesn't, you know, is not right by me. Because now he's backpedaling faster than a DB against Tyreek Hill. <laughs> like, I- you, you know what I mean? He's how could you just believe somebody that's just like, oh no, you know, sorry, sorry, never mind, never mind. I didn't mean all that, right? You know, like, but I think you should have said it in the first place. So I mean, it is what it is, and you just can't, t- you can't, uh, you got to think twice about what you're saying on sensitive subject like that. Make sure you're fully heard instead of, uh, you know, a two sentence remark that could offend a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I think initially, you know, he said the right things as far as to him like this is what the flag means to him you know but yes of course but to take it further and say you know by extension that you can't support anyone who disrespects the flag means everybody else who is doing something that you don't agree with is disrespectful for the flag and you may truly feel that and that's fine like i don't think he necessarily said anything that's wrong but in when you look in the current culture and in the current times where you got people groups that are hurting whether you agree with it or not but you got a lot of people who are hurting. They feel like there's there's a lot of injustices going along around. And then you say that with your teammates being predominantly black, where you can easily pick up the phone and call them and be like, hey, man, like, what did kneeling mean to you? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like it, it was just it was it was poor taste, in my opinion. And so what I think happened is he he said what he said. He got the backlash. And then he was like, hey, you know what? It it still means what it means to me. But now I've expanded the discussion and I see that it means other things to other people. And I'm going to be sympathetic and empathetic with that. You know, he even took on Donald Trump. So I, you know, I like that. Uh, yeah. But then nobody deserves death threats or anything like that. What I'm saying too, is not Drew Brees is, you know, what he said. Um, not saying that, you know, the flag, you know, the flag means everything to us. We're all Americans, but I mean, you know, you can't, you can't say something like that and expect everybody to just be okay with it. Right. You know, right. hundred percent. AJ, what do you think? Um, I, I think you make a very good point. I would just encourage everybody to go listen to when Killer Mike was on the Jalen and Jacoby ESPN show and his comments about uh, Drew Brees on disrespecting the flag. I think he ultimately just hit the nail on the head and like, hey, it's, it's not about a flag. 
It's about protesting police brutality, systemic justice. If you truly feel that strongly about a flag, then you know you have to be you have to be full with it. You have to be uh, full out blown with it. You shouldn't be cool with the American flag on shorts. You shouldn't be cool with the American flag on a picnic table uh, as a as a cover. You shouldn't be cool with uh, American flag as an album cover or anything like that because it it all falls into that category of disrespecting the American flag, which is also in the article. Uh, he also goes on to talk about how that's not what it's about. Uh, he, he talks about the Confederate flag and what that represents from the Cornerstone speech and how it's still flown with such pride because other people have a strong feeling to it because it, it means what they feel, not what it actually means, which which you sent me, by the way. Didn't the, the Marines just ban right, the, right. the showing of the Confederate right. flag? Which was completely a story. I, I think his... His comments were still centered on his feelings and his thoughts towards it instead of opening up and looking at what it meant yeah. for everyone else by taking this knee, which I which I, I want to make note that Colin Kaepernick went from sitting down during the national anthem to kneeling off of the discussion and recommendation from Nate Boyer, who was uh, special forces in the army. So that was done as a more respectful way of protesting systemic injustice and racism during the national anthem. Right. Yeah, good insight. Everybody gets it. I think everybody gets it too confused. Like, oh, they're protesting the national anthem. They're protesting systemic injustice and racism. They're not stepping on the flag. They're not burning the flag. But that this is the most respectful way that they see to do it. And I think everybody gets too wrapped up in it, uh, which me included. I mean, I got wrapped up. I was like, oh man, it's disrespectful. And I really sat back and I, you know, looked at it and thought about it after some time. And I was like, you know what? And it's, it is their first amendment right to do. And I think you talked about that a lot. Yeah, Jay. definitely. Yeah, I, I think it's just a good memorandum on being cognizant of your words and, and the effects that your words may have. So, you know, it's a good it's a good lesson for all of us, especially when a when a group is going through something or, you know, someone even close to you is going through something. You got to be careful with what you say, especially these pro athletes, because it reaches so many because their voice is heard in so many homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let, let's not all forget which killer mike addresses also in that video that our that the forefathers of this country protested violently and protesting is one of the most american things you can do unfortunately if it's not something you agree with as a person it is looked at as a terrible thing instead of looked at so you know they they are exercising their rights to do i may not agree with it but I respect that they're exercising their right, right. to do it. Definitely. But yeah. Yeah, needless to say, I think a lot of people probably will be coming at Drew Brees' head this year. I think he's cool. I think he smoothed it over with his teammates for the most part. But I saw Zadarius Smith circled that <laughs> date on the calendar coming after Drew Brees. Like, he might be cool with his teammates now, but for the rest of the league, yo, I don't know. He, he's definitely going to be retiring. After Sean Payton year. better build a lot of uh, three-step dropbacks in that, that playbook. 
<laughs> ain't gonna be crying if he got to play Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston from Drew Brees getting hurt or something. Right. All right. Uh, anything else, gentlemen? That's it. No, I'm good. All right, everyone. Uh, while you may not agree with our opinions or you may agree with them, we would still love to hear what you guys have to say. Please email us any questions, any gripes, any complaints, any thumbs up of what you guys liked or didn't like with our email in the comment section. Until next time, this is the Opinionated Podcast. This is our opinion. We'd love to hear your opinion. Good night, everyone.